look at the verse for today, and then you can be seated. So you might as well just stand right back up. We've been looking at the talk on the hill, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. How many of you love the Word of God? I'm going through the talk on the hill and the Sermon on the Mount, which are the same, one and the same, because I want us to understand what Jesus said. Some of the more difficult sayings, and what we're about to read is one of those, say what? So when I'm done reading it, I want you to say, because this is a tough one. We're going to see what it means. And we're going to understand what our Savior taught us and how he taught us to live. So let's uh, read Matthew 7, verse 6. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Now that's a real say what? Amen? All right, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your blessing. We thank you for being with us right now and opening our understanding to the Word of God. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, will you breathe a prayer and say, speak to me. I receive your Word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and say, well, that's a real say what? Jesus is one of the most, if not the most, misunderstood teacher in the world. And I believe that one of the reasons Christians don't walk a lot of the time in the Word of God is because we don't understand what He really said. We need to pray about what He said, and we need to study what He said, and try to get to the bottom of and really grasp what Jesus meant by what He said. Now, you take this right here. Don't give what is sacred to dogs. What in the world does that mean? We're going to see in just a minute. But so far in the talk on the hill, Jesus has tackled some major, major issues. And let's just name them. He's tackled the anger problem. How many of you are aware that we live in an angry culture? We live in an angry culture. People are angry. They're they're mad. And so Jesus dealt with what I believe to be one of the, the primary problems in the heart of fallen man, the anger problem. He went from there to contempt for others. If you don't deal with your anger, you're going to have contempt for others. And remember, he was talking to his disciples, not to people that were out there in the streets. He was talking to his main men, his main followers. And he said, watch out for the anger issue, contempt for others. Then he dealt with the problem of sexual lust. Then he went from there in dealing with the wrong that there is in taking vengeance on others. Don't take vengeance on others, but leave vengeance to God. And Jesus went from there to dealing with what are the treasures of your heart. Everybody in here today has a treasure. Those listening by radio, you've got a treasure in your heart. Something you have crowned most valuable to you. It's there in your heart. And Jesus said, your treasure needs to be the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then he went to dealing with judging and condemning and blaming others. We dealt with that last week, the stick in your eye. You've got a two-by-four in your own eye. Don't judge and blame and condemn others. Now, remember, I've told you, 
that these, these things that Jesus tackled, one leads to the next, which leads to the next, which leads to the next. There is a unity of thought. There is a continuity of theme. He's not just hitting shotgun style several different issues that don't connect. But these things lead one to another, to another, to another. Now, when you're talking about judging and condemning and blaming others, you're talking about the habit that some people have of controlling people by judging and by blaming and by condemning. Nestled in that teaching of Jesus that we dealt with last week is the tendency of people to use judgment and blame and condemnation to control others and manipulate them. Now, we see churches do this all the time. And I'll be the first to admit it as a pastor of a church. Churches do this all the time. Churches are often guilty of using condemnation and blame when they try to force people into a particular lifestyle and they want them to to live a particular way. They use blame and judgment and condemnation to control them and to bring them into line. And the Bible becomes a billy club and not a meal. The Bible becomes a nightstick and, and not a gourmet meal. See, I believe if you feed people, they will come. If you beat people up, they will leave. God didn't come to beat us up. God came to convict us of sin And then he came to draw us into a life that if anybody out there in the world really knew what it was, they would envy it and want it. But see, some churches that are not confident in God's ability to change the hearts of people, they use judgment and they use condemnation and they use blame to beat them into line. You ever seen it done? You ever been there when it was being done? Did you ever leave church? feeling like you were bruised and beat up? The Pharisees of Jesus' day were masters at doing this. They were masters of the tactic of heaping condemnation and blame and judgment on people to bring them under their control, under their thumb. Yet according to Jesus, quote, they don't do what they tell you to do. They lead you with impossible demands that they themselves don't even try to keep. Then why did the Pharisees go out there and say, thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that. If you do this, God's going to judge you. If you do that, God's going to kill you. And they would beat people up. Why did they do that? Because they wanted to bring them under their control. They wanted to manipulate them. They wanted them under their thumb. They wanted to have preeminence over their life. And so they used blame and judgment and condemnation. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing as Christian parents. If we're not careful, we can use that against one another. And I want you to catch now that Jesus is dealing with the issue of seeking to control people by judgment and blame and condemnation. Now, keeping that in mind, it helps us to understand what Jesus was telling us about pearls and pigs. Listen to what he said. He said, Don't cast your pearls, there it is, don't give what is sacred to dogs and don't throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they're going to trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Well, what in the world is Jesus talking about? Remember, his thought, 
His, his thoughts are running in the same vein. So he has not missed, he has not lost or left his emphasis on trying to control people to make them live and do and be what we want them to be. Now, let me just help you with this here. The pearl. What is the pearl that he's talking about? Don't give your pearls to pigs. The pearl is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the pearl, the pearl of great price. Jesus talked about that. He said, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl that a man finds in a field. And when he sees the value of it, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that pearl. So say with me, the pearl is the gospel. And how many of you can say when you received the gospel of Jesus Christ, it became a true pearl to you? Because he is altogether worthy and valuable. And he is above all things that we could desire on this earth. Jesus and the gospel are the pearl of great price. But it's not just the gospel, but it's the lifestyle that follows the gospel. The pearl is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the lifestyle that comes with it. So the gospel message and the gospel lifestyle is the pearl. Jesus is saying, don't throw the gospel and the lifestyle that comes with it, don't cast it to the swine. Now stay with me. I'm going to explain that in just a moment because we've all done what he's talking about. Well, then if that's the pearl, what's the pig? Well, let me tell you what the pig is not. The pig is not any particular group of people that Jesus deemed unfit to hear the gospel. The pig, Jesus was not calling any group of people or class of people pigs. Turn to your neighbor and say, praise God. I was scared for a minute there. He was not calling any human being unfit for the gospel, and he was not calling any class of people pigs. Jesus would not do that because God so loved the whole world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him, whoever believes on him, whosoever. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a whosoever. And those of you listening by radio, he loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've gone, what you've said, the acts you have committed. You are not swine. You are valuable to God. Then what in the world was he talking about when he talked about the pig? The pig represents a creature that cannot digest pearls. That is, the pig is not created or fit or wired to eat a pearl, digest it, and be nourished from it. Can you imagine walking up to a pig with a string of valuable pearls? Here you go, I can see that you're hungry. The pig can't eat the pearl. He can't digest the pearl. He can't get nourishment from the pearl. The same way that a dog would not be able to eat a Bible, except my dog, my dog would eat a Bible. My dog, I know now, is a billy goat in disguise. But the thought of Jesus here is that a dog could not eat a Bible, digest a Bible, and gain nourishment from a Bible. A pig could not eat a pearl, digest a pearl, and gain nourishment from a pearl. So what is Jesus talking about when he says, don't cast your pearls before swine? Don't give what is sacred to dogs. What is he talking about? 
Jesus is talking about the practice of shoving religion down another person's throat when they haven't experienced God for themselves and they have no stomach for it, no taste for it, no desire for it, no ability to digest the things of God because they have not been born again. Are you all with me now? He's talking about those of us who have found the pearl of great price. And we go, hallelujah, praise God, I found a pearl of great price. Surely everybody wants this pearl, the gospel, and surely everybody wants the lifestyle that comes with it. Uh-uh. Eh. <clears throat> they don't. He's talking about the common practice among Christians. I know you've never done this. <clears throat> you never did it with your kids or your spouse or your coworkers. This doesn't go on in the church. I'm just doing this for the sake of radio. You forget it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad that's not me. He's talking about the common practice among Christians of trying to get others to live like Christians, think like Christians, and talk like Christians when they're not Christians. Say, man, this is so good. Jesus is so good. This lifestyle of being free is so good. Don't you want these pearls? Let me shove some pearls down your throat. But we forget that the Bible makes it very, very clear that the things of God are foolishness to the world. And they cannot discern them and they cannot appreciate them and they cannot enjoy them. They cannot digest them and they cannot assimilate them because they have not been saved. Listen, the pearl is to get you saved. And once you've been saved, the lifestyle is for those of you who have been saved. But you can't put the lifestyle on somebody who has not been born from above. He's talking about being pearl pushers. Pearl pushers. You ever been around a pearl pusher? He's talking about the practice of coercing others into a lifestyle they've got no heart for because they haven't been born again themselves. And let me tell you something, folks. Until you've been born again, this whole thing about Jesus and the Word and the lifestyle is a bunch of hooey. It doesn't make sense. You can't figure it out. You can't accept it. It's not appealing because you don't know the king of the kingdom. He's saying don't try to force the pearl of the gospel or the lifestyle that comes with it into somebody's stomach who has not been saved. In East Texas, we got a, one of these little dogs called a Lhasa Apsa. We got us a Lhasa Apsa. If you know what a Lhasa Apsa is, they're these long-haired, cutesy kind of dogs with the big ears and the great big brown eyes. And they prance around with a little foo-foo tail. And, 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 and really their only value is to walk around the house looking cute all day. They don't do anything else. They don't hunt. They don't fish. They, don't do, they just look cute all day. And we got us a little Lhasa Apsa. And we decided, well, since it's a Lhasa Apsa with a beautiful long hair, a little cute little show dog, we took it to the, the uh, a groomer. And we got Muffer. That was the name, Muffer. We got Muffer all done up. I mean, she had her hair combed. She had the little pink bow they put on top of her head. I felt so sorry for her when I saw that thing. 
they put the baby powder and the talcum on her, and we brought her home from the groomer, all duded up, walking around the house, prancing, looking cute like they're supposed to do. And we sunk probably, I don't know, too much money to have that done, to make Muffer look cute. And, and yet, we lived in the country, we lived near a creek, and, and as soon as she was home, I opened up the door, and just to get something, and out went Muffer, and she headed, I saw what was about to happen, headed straight for the creek, headed straight for the mud. I said, oh, my soul, I got to grab her. I ran. She was faster than me. By the time I got to the bottom of the creek, she was rolling in the mud. And tongue hanging out, just having the time of her life. And I said, Muffer, we just spent all kinds of money on you. I don't care. And right then it struck me, here's the truth of the matter. We can change her appearance but we couldn't change her heart. You can change a dog's appearance, but you can't stop a dog from being a dog. You can put appearances on people, trying to make them look Christian, trying to make them act Christian, but until God gets into their heart and changes their heart, they're not going to keep it. You can get them in church, do them up, Get them in their nice Sunday best, but you're going to find them later in the week. Come on, rolling in the mud, because that's what lost people do. They roll in the mud, and they're happy in it. you got to touch their heart. Christianity is not a religion you place on yourself. It is an encounter with God where God changes your heart, changes your want to, changes you on the inside. And until that happens, you can't put pearls in the stomach of somebody lost. When you try to force Christianity onto somebody unsaved, Jesus said, here's what's going to happen. It's eventually going to bring conflict because they're not going to be able to, to, to digest those pearls, receive those pearls, live according to those pearls. And he said, he said, they will turn around and they will bite you for trying to push on them a Christianity, the king of which they don't know. Jesus is suggesting that we can do a right thing the wrong way. He is suggesting that a good thing can be done with a misplaced motive. We can even fall into the trap of pushing kingdom pearls on somebody so they will change and behave the way we want them to. So we become coercers of Christianity, pushers of pearls, Instead of allowing God to work on their life, and I've done this. When I got saved, I was in the cave stage. When I really came to Jesus, I witnessed to everything that moved, and I did it over and over again. And my family got to where they dreaded seeing me coming. When I started coming over to the house, they'd all run into separate rooms, say hello real quick, and they would be gone because they knew what was coming. Here comes the pearl pusher. Here comes the pearl pusher. He's going to judge our lives, and he's going to judge our religion 
and he's going to give to us that Jesus stuff, and he's going to do it over and over and over again. Here he comes. We know what's coming. And they were right, and God had to give me some wisdom. Oh, this happens when you have the husband that wants a Christian wife. And so he pushes the pearls, thinking it'll make her more agreeable and easier to live with. And that's his motive. Come on, get saved, come to Jesus. We'll get along better and you'll be more pliable and easier to get along with here in the house. It's the wife that wants a Christian husband and pushes the pearls in hopes that he'll become more domesticated, stay at home more, be a better man. So we push those pearls. You need to live this way, live that way, believe this, believe that. Until finally that husband or that wife just close them out. It's the parents that want their teens to be saved so they'll be more obedient and more pleasant. So we become pearl pushers with those teens. Whether or not their heart has been touched and you want hell at home, push the pearl of Christianity on a teen that's not ready. Oh, we're really good about covert and overt pearl pushing. Covert, we'll leave Bible tracts and pamphlets in select locations throughout the house, on the kitchen shelf, on the back of the toilet, on the teen's nightstand, on the teen's car seat. And we leave great pamphlets. They read something like five reasons why you're going to hell without Jesus. <laughs> Or how about this one? This pamphlet was written for those left behind. And we leave them. We become pearl droppers, pearl placers all throughout the house. Or we become expert at pearl pushing by dropping hints. Here's one, quote, I was talking to my friend Julie the other day, says the Christian wife, and can you believe that Bob goes to church with them every week? She says to her husband, thinking he's going to go, really, I'm convicted. I better do it too. Or here's one, and I know people do this. When your spouse is in another room and is about to come out, you turn the TV to a particularly anointed show, say Joyce Meyer or T.D. Jakes or Billy Graham, and when they walk through, you act like you're reading a magazine and are totally oblivious to what's on. I didn't mean to leave that on. And you've got the volume turned way up. They can't miss it walking through. Hoping that the anointing will reach out and grab them. That's pearl dropping. Let me tell you something about people. They know what you're doing. They know what you're doing. They know you're dropping these tracks and pamphlets and TV shows and suggestions and hints and stories. Now, I want to be clear about something. He is not suggesting that we shouldn't witness, not at all, but that pearl pushing doesn't work because the person is very aware that they're being manipulated and, and pushed and coerced and even sometimes forced to believe something and accept something and embrace something that has not become real to them. say, well, Pastor Jeff, what am I supposed to do then? Well, you've got to leave it up to God. 
Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Spirit draws him. (laughs) Did you hear that? No man will ever come to me. No woman will ever come to me. No teenager will ever come to me unless the Spirit of God touches their heart and draws them. That is so powerful, so important. Listen, we are to be pearl presenters, not pearl pushers. Growing up, I hated broccoli. I mean, I thought broccoli was the vegetable from hell. I didn't think that God made it at all. My mother used to say, if you don't finish that broccoli, you can't have the rest of your meal. I'd stare at that green stuff on the plate. It was just steamed broccoli. Nothing on it, just steamed broccoli. I hated it. I hated broccoli, and I sacrificed many a meal to stop it from going into my mouth. I didn't see any advantage to it, any value to it, any blessing to it, and I couldn't have cared less if it was good for me. But my mother, as I got older, she got wiser. She said, here's what I'm going to do. And she put cheese on it, and she mixed it in with rice. And she made that broccoli like I had never seen broccoli before. She made it smell good. She made it look good. And she then basically stood up and said, oh, taste and see that the broccoli is good. I want you to see now this is good broccoli. And when I ate it the way that she finally made it, I said, praise God, I can get into this. And now when I go to my mother's, where's that broccoli? Where's the broccoli? I'm ready for the broccoli. (laughs) Now, here's what Jesus is saying about the, the, the pearls of the kingdom. You've got to put the cheese sauce of love on the pearl. And you've got to put the rice of kindness on the pearl. And you've got to put the seasoning of patience on the pearl. And you've got to let God handle that pearl in their heart. And you're supposed to make Jesus look so good that you say to them, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. We're supposed to make them want it. Well, I'd rather just push those pearls. I don't feel real spiritual. Push those pearls all day. It's not going to do you any good. Here's what will do good. Put Jesus in front of them, freshly cooked. That is, with a sweet savor of heaven. Put him in front of them in love. Wait on God to move in their heart. And be kind to them. And God will do the rest because it's the spirit that draws them. It's not you that pushes them. Jesus is saying, one day Jesus sent some disciples out on a missions trip to preach the gospel. And he gave them a crucial bit of instruction. I want you to listen to it. He said, be wise as a serpent and be gentle as a dove. Well, what in the world is the wisdom of the serpent? And what is the gentleness of the dove? Here's what it is. If you've ever watched a snake eat a prey, I know it's kind of gross, but let me tell you what happens. When a snake eats a prey, here's what the snake's got going for him. Timing. You never see a snake chasing a prey. He eases up. He moves so slow you can barely tell he's moved. He waits for just the right moment. 
and then he strikes. You know what he's saying? When it comes to imparting the pearls of the kingdom and the lives of people, the wisdom of the serpent is timing. It's timing. When I got saved, I was in juvenile home at 16 years old. Before I was in juvenile home, I was in drugs. I was a mess, total rebellion, kicked out of high school. I was out there just making a total mess of my life. And if you had come up to me with the gospel of the kingdom, I wouldn't have given you the time of day. But when I was in juvenile home and my world was caving in, God sent a preacher in just the right time. And he struck when I was ready. Let me tell you something. Everybody you want to reach will have a time. The Bible says there is a time for every purpose under heaven. That means there's a time for your dad to be saved, your mom to be saved, your kids to be saved, your spouse to be saved. There is a timing with all of the purposes of God. And the wisdom of the serpent is to pray and watch and wait for the right time. I witnessed to my dad for over 20 years. My dad didn't want anything to do with the gospel. He thought that I had lost my mind and gone from bad to worse. He said to my, my mother and my, and my stepmother and all my sisters, he'll come out of it someday. This is just his latest deal. But he didn't understand that at the right time, God revealed himself to my heart in the person of Jesus Christ. And the pearl of great price became mine. And then the lifestyle of the pearl became mine. And I wasn't about to turn. And I'm still doing now what I was doing back then, preaching Jesus, living for him, walking with him. But see, it was a timing deal. One day, my dad walked in out of the backyard. It was, I couldn't believe it. I had quit long before I had quit talking to him. I would quit trying to convince him, trying to persuade him, trying to push the pearl. I gave him all the Josh McDowell books and all of the other stuff that I thought would reach him. One day, he walks in out of the backyard, and he says, you know, Jeff, I'm sitting there eating some shredded wheat. I couldn't believe it. He walks in out of the backyard and says, you know, there is no way that that world out there just happened. What do you think I've been saying, Dad, for over 20 years? I didn't say one word. The wisdom of the serpent. I said, really? He said, I was out there looking at the trees and the sky. He said, somebody had to make that. And I went, strike. Because the timing was right. And I said, Dad, that's what I've been telling you for over 20 years. And that was my moment. It was his time. It was the open door. And I struck. And my dad gave his heart to Christ. And when my dad died, he was a believer. And he went to heaven. And there was a timing. 20 years of waiting, but there was a time. And church, we've got to get the wisdom of the serpent. That we will wait for the right time. Well, what do you wait for? What do you look for? I believe you, you, you wait for somebody to ask you about it. Or somebody to be obviously seeking and searching for an answer. You, you wait for the right time. God will nudge you. Sometimes when they're in trouble or they've been through a tragedy. And at that moment, you move in and you strike. Sometimes they're ready and sometimes they're not. There will be times when they'll shut you out, but times when they're open. And the wisdom of the serpent is to watch and wait and pray and strike when the striking is good. 
And Jesus said, do it with the harmlessness of a dove. What is the harmlessness of a dove? A dove is guileless. There's no ulterior motive with a dove. They do not manipulate their surroundings. They're harmless. When you strike, you do it with one motive. I don't want to change you. I don't want to make you what I want you to be. I want you to meet the king of the kingdom. And that's only reason I'm bringing this up. And that's your motive. And you strike. And when the time is right, and you're not trying to pearl push, you've left it up to God, and you're trusting the Holy Ghost to move, God will open a door in the life of that person of vulnerability, timely, and openness, and that's when you move in. Jesus said, don't give dogs what is sacred. They can't eat it. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They can't digest them. Wait for God to do a heart work. And see, all of you, most of you in here, you've received the pearl. And so you can digest what I've said, can't you? Can we, can we stand together? Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now that Jesus gave us wisdom. Wisdom with the pearl and wisdom with the lifestyle. Thank you, Lord, that that pearl can't be pushed down anybody's throat. It must be received after the Holy Spirit has drawn them. With every head bowed, I want to ask you a question. Do you have somebody in your life that you're really burdened about and you're saying, oh God, please do something. And you've been trying to do a little pearl pushing and I understand that. I've done it with the worst of them. You say, Pastor Jeff, somebody in my orbit needs to be touched and I want to give them to God today. Would you raise your hand? Heavenly Father, you see most of the people in this room. Lord, forgive us for trying to do a right thing a wrong way. It's so easy to do. But Lord, we pray, help us to wait for the time, for the moment to move in and minister the pearl of great price. And Lord, we thank you right now that Jesus is going to be attractive on our lives. And as we minister that pearl in love and kindness and patience, you will do the rest. Now I want you to give the Lord their name today. With every head bowed to say, Lord, I give you their name. I give you their name. And I ask you to touch them. Touch them, Lord. Sons, daughters, Moms, dads, spouses, co-workers, neighbors. Pray for that moment of vulnerability. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Now, will there every head bowed if you can say, Pastor Jeff, I used to walk with the Lord, but I've gotten away from Him. And I feel like He has touched my heart. And I would like to come back to Him, recommit my life to Him, and leave this building today at peace with Him. Would you raise your hand right where you are? God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. I want you to do something if you raise your hand. I want you to slip out from where you are. Don't worry for a microsecond about what anybody's going to think. I want you to come down. I want you to let me to pray with you right here, right here in this altar. Just slip out and walk down. Come on now. And if you can't walk down here, how are you ever going to stand up for him out there? Say, why do I need to come down? because it seals your decision. So I want you to slip out and come, and we're going to believe God to bless you and to touch you today. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, I don't know that I've ever received that pearl of great price. I don't know that I've ever been born again, but I would like to know today that that pearl has been received into my heart and that I'm walking with him, and I have been saved. With every head bowed, can you raise your hand right where you are? God bless you. All right, keep on coming, keep on coming. And let's just worship for a moment. We're going to give them time to come, and then we're going to pray. In Jesus' name, let's sing, Jeff. Praise God.